0: Welcome back to the Positivity Podcast, with me, your host, Robert Coach Campbell. If this is your first time listening, then I hope you're ready for some positivity. The guests are amazing with the most incredible stories. So without further ado, let's get into episode nine. My guest on this episode is a lady who at 19 decided to leave the UK to chase her singing ambitions in New York. She is currently a stylist to the stars, and her approach is unique, as she considers not only what looks good but the psychology and the comfort aspects of the outfits that she picks. She has dealt with difficult situations, both found in the world of music and fashion, and has some amazing advice for the future generations who want to work in these careers. All this on top of being a breast cancer survivor, she is an amazing, strong, positive woman and a great leader in the world of fashion. She is the one and only Rachel Gold. So kicking it off, who is Rachel Gold?
1: Rachel Gold at the moment is mother of dogs, grandmother, (laughs) (laughs) stylist to the stars, uh, fashion seeker, fun seeker, positivity seeker and a yogi. I actually took it up about sort of, ten years ago, and I've been doing. And I, I actually follow it on, um, on uh, on a page actually on YouTube, and so I do it every morning for twenty minutes, and I find it really helps to clear my mind, and helps me to focus and try to find the important things yeah. in life, or what I think is important, actually. Yeah, it's, it's... you know
0: try... It's, yeah. it's definitely something I've, I've wanted to try and get into myself because I, 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 my morning routine is always sort of light weights, physical exercise, and meditation. So I think sort of yoga yes. would be the next sort of transition, and I, I want to. I think as I build Coach Campbell, I want to touch everything I possibly can around mindset and body and and your development but yeah so
1: yeah yeah i think it's really important especially when you're in an industry um that that is my industry is quite shallow as a stylist I do I, I style celebrities I also style individuals as well I do a lot of stuff on Instagram and it appears to be quite shallow because I'm putting clothes on someone yeah and so from the from the outside it looks like oh well I'm just putting a dress on someone or I'm just putting a pair of trousers but it's actually a lot more than that what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get to the personality of the person and I'm trying to bring that out by the clothes that I'm having them wear or helping them to yeah, wear as well. Yeah. So I think it's quite important to be quite focused and try to be positive and also to ignore a lot of the
2: negativity around sort yeah. The entertainment industry, because there is quite a lot of
1: negativity and ego involved there. So, for me, I like to try to be as as focused and grounded as I can, so that I can spread the love rather than you know yeah. sort of getting all involved.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely not getting pulled <laughs> into drama. that negative. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. So, who was who was Young Rachel? How did how did Young Rachel kind of start off on the path?
1: You know, look, I had a very interesting upbringing because my father was half Guyanese, half Brazilian, and my mother was Jewish, English, and so we were quite mixed up as a family. Yeah. In fact, we were the only sort of mixed race family in in you know in our immediate area. So my father was a very flamboyant character, and so I think I probably kind of took after him, and I wanted to be a singer. So. When I got to 19, I fled the country and went to New York. <laughs> I just thought, that's it, I'm going to be a singer in New York. I didn't really know anyone. I kind of knew someone who sort of had a cousin there who I went to visit, but I actually didn't know anyone. And, uh, and that's kind of how I started my singing career. I used to sing in nightclubs, and basically what we would do is I, I got involved with a record label, and we would make these like really funky disco songs and then every evening I'd get all dressed up and I'd dress everyone else up who was on the label and we'd go out to these nightclubs and we'd lip sync to these terrible songs (laughs) on stage throwing ourselves around. And, you know, that's kind of how I first started styling as well, actually, because I was dressing everyone else as well as myself.
0: Yeah, and I I suppose there must have been so many different influences at that time in new york because it's, it's one of my favorite cities to visit it's you can you yeah. can kind of walk a block and the whole dynamic changes it's you know the music the culture yeah. everything yes. and that that changes yeah. block upon block i, I, I love new york yeah. just an amazing yeah. place
1: yeah I mean I love New York and obviously I mean this you know this was a long time ago this is kind of like when Madonna was coming up you know and Studio 54 was just sort of finishing but it was all very very cool everyone was like talking to everyone else it was a very kind of exploratory time and people were like starting to mix a lot because you know the States you know with all the racial situations
2: that that they have there many years ago people were a lot
0: more segregated than they are now
2: so
1: really Madonna with all like the Latin guys and hanging out with all the black guys and the mix of music and that kind of thing, it was all really starting to happen then. So it was a great time to be in New York. You know, we used to go out and we'd literally leave at eleven o'clock at night and come back at sort of like six, having been out to an after after hours club. Yeah. So yeah, it was great fun it was a great time, a really good time. That you must know, Demetrios been... and all those sorts of people.
0: Yeah, that must have been so exciting at nineteen. You know, that's. Yes. And that's brave. That's a very brave thing to do, just to go, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go to the other side of the world to do it at 19. <laughs>
1: well either brave or stupid, you know. I think it's my father he always said, you know, you can actually do whatever you want to do. If you set your mind to it, yeah. then you know, that's what you should do. As long as you're not making other people unhappy or yourself, really you should just go out there and try to do what makes you happy. So that was kind of it really. I um, but I, I admit it I omitted to say that um, that before I, I left New York I had had a, a child. So I had a, a little son when I was nineteen, and I thought, um, right, I've got to go to the States and kind of try and make my way and try to make money because I actually want to privately educate him and look after him. Yeah. So he was with my mother for the first six months, and then my mother brought him over. So not only was I in New York in a in kind of strange place, but oh. I also had a young a young baby as well. So. Yeah, it was quite a challenge. Yeah. It was really quite yeah. a challenge. Yeah. But, you know, great fun. Um, I think what happens when you move abroad is that you either settle there and that becomes your new adopted home. Yeah. Or you then long for things in your own home. And and that's kind of what happened with me. After after five years, I really, I missed my family because I'm from a very close family. Yeah. I missed them. Even though I was coming back and forth and they were visiting me, I I miss things in England like PG tips, you know, <laughs> yeah. and just just normal things like white sliced bread because you know the bread yeah. over there was kind of a bit sugary. Yeah. And I miss normal sized milk bottles because in the States everything was so big. Yeah, everything's super you know, just, sized. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> so so I so, yeah so I came back. Um, <laughs> so people always say, "Oh, did you come back for the tea?" And I suppose I did. <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely the epitome of sort of, you know, homesick. So you, you yeah, ended up in a, yeah. a, a band as well, didn't you? you yes, and today. in fact,
1: when I was in New York, I, I did a single with a guy um, called Grover Washington Jr., who people who are much older will know who this, who this is. He's a saxophonist, he's a very famous saxophonist. And the album cover um, was just a picture of my face. And basically there was a very famous group in Holland called Luf and they had sort of like untold number one records and they were kind of like a Dutch bananarama. And one of the band members, members saw uh, my album They lost one of their band members. So they said, would you like to come and audition? So I said, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've not really been to Holland um, and I've not really been in a band before. I don't know how that will work. So anyway, I went over there and met the other two girls and uh, just fell for them. Fabulous girls. And so suddenly I was in this really, really famous Dutch band, again, flinging myself around (laughs) on stage. And, uh, you know, we went all around the world I mean, we toured everywhere. Um, We toured a lot in Germany because they were very big in Germany. Um, we went to Thailand, you know, we went to the States, yeah, and it was the same sort of thing, very much kind of Banana Rama, but the Dutch version. The
0: Dutch version of Banana Rama, yeah.
1: Yeah, great fun. I mean great fun. A lot of it was lip syncing in those days, you know. Yes. It's not like now, yeah. you know, now you've actually got to, to sing properly, whereas there we were, you know, doing a lot of the, the mic moves and you know, you, you could sort of wave your hands around whilst you held onto the mic and you didn't yes. have to worry about forgetting the words as long as your mouth looked like it was doing the right thing.
0: Well that was <laughs> um that was Millie Vanilli, wasn't it, that kind of exactly. described that in the music yes. industry. Yeah, I'm sure in my age.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean we did actually sing everything and we did do all the backing vocals so we did actually do it but when we were doing the live shows they were yeah. they were mainly lip sync. Yeah. because yeah, I remember
0: yeah. I remember Top of the Pops was the same because I think I seen a documentary and it was um I think it was Oasis were really annoyed because they were like, But we can perform live and they were like, No, it's yes. like a backing track. Yeah. And they they yes. couldn't they couldn't understand it, but I suppose it's because yeah. they did perform that way. And like you say, you were jumping around the stage. So for bands who were doing yes. that and doing the sort of more theatrical, yeah. the backing track was was. Just took the pressure off, yeah. I suppose, a bit uh, to yeah. have perfect tone well, time. Well, definitely,
1: yeah. And also with the whole sound set up and everything like that, I mean, that was really off the moment. That was kind of what was happening there. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a great fun. So I suppose really the styling, the styling bug, it actually came from those days because of actually dressing myself and then dressing a lot of people around me. That's kind of where I got the passion for styling as well. So um, after being in the band, I then thought, well, you know what, what do I really love doing? Well, yeah. I do love dressing people. So I did a few sort of courses and things. I didn't go to London College of Fashion or anything like that. Yeah. I did a few courses in body mapping on, you know, how, how to dress people in the right proportions. Colour, I'm, I'm very kind of, I do that very naturally anyway. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it is actually psychology as well. Yeah, you know, actually figuring out what helps someone tick and what is going to make them look and feel good. Yeah, you know, rather than putting something on them that is fashion that they know it's fashion, but yet they still feel uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, I spent um, spent a a small period of time working in the sort of fashion industry, um, doing suiting for for a big corporate chain, and. I had it all the time. I used to specialise in the wedding packages and it used to be, and I think it's something I've I've read that you've said before about people should wear what suits them, not what they've seen on other people. And that was a big thing because I'd have brides coming in going, I've seen David Beckham wearing this and, you know, you'd be looking at a husband who was probably very much my physique, you know, but it was like, they're not David Beckham, you know, and it was trying to break down that expectation because... No matter yeah. what, what way you dress some people, if you dress them to look like David Beckham, they're never going to look like David Beckham because they're not David Beckham. You know, he's very niche yeah. in his style. So like you say, it's that psychology yes. of finding what the individual is comfortable in, bringing out their character. And I suppose that must yeah. that must be interesting because you've worked with some real big sort of characters, should we say? Yes.
1: Yes, yes, I have worked with some very big characters, and you know, it's it's the ones that you think, "Wow, what a big character they're going to be, horrific," who are actually the most gorgeous. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I love Gordon Ramsay, just love him so much. We went to um, we went to his house and we went to style him, and he was so kind of up for everything yeah. you know like we got these two bread rolls and he held them up against his, his eyes and then we we clapped our hands as flour flew into the air yeah. you know went all over his suit he was just a very um Alive and really positive, a really sweet and, yeah. and nice man. You know, whereas when you see him on TV, you think, "Christ, he's going to be really scary." <laughs>
2: yeah, that's it. But
1: actually, really nice guy, really nice guy. Um, so yeah, I, I've worked with a, a lot of um, a lot of big celebs, and you know, sometimes people surprise you in a, a very good way. Sometimes they surprise you in not such a good way. Um, but I think. Uh, what's quite difficult about styling is that you're sometimes meeting a celebrity for the first time, and you have to take into consideration that they may not want to do what they're doing, like yeah. they may not be in the mood, you know, they might have just been on tour, they might you know, they might have been talked into it by their age and, you know, they've suddenly got this woman approaching them with loads of clothes they've got everyone sort of pouring over them and yeah. as much as you can say, oh, well, poor them, you know, they're really famous and they're being poured all over, actually it can be quite daunting, I think, having a whole set of people all staring right. Yeah, at definitely. you and all wanting something from you so you know I have learned to just kind of take a step back a little bit yeah. and, and kind of wait until I'm approached rather than tearing in there and saying right you're wearing this yeah you know, because at first I was probably quite, um, yeah, they're definitely going to wear this, and this will look great. But actually, I think it's really important to be able to take a bit of a deep breath and and analyse the environment and the situation that you're in, and you know, and the type of temperament or 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 mood that the person is in.
0: Yeah, definitely. I've seen I've seen quite a bit of your work. I was I was trolling through Instagram and and some of the the other pictures that are online that you've styled and. They are amazing. I think um I seen one with Denise yes. Van Outen. Sat on a couch. Yes. That was just you know, it's just a beautiful image. really classy, beautiful image and you can and tell it, yes. you can tell you're definitely getting more than just that sort of quick photography yeah. kind of, Sometimes you see those images when you you can tell when people are like, I don't wanna be taking part yeah. in this you know. You don't really yeah. get that in your yeah. your images, but yeah.
2: And yeah.
1: No, thank you. I mean, look, I love Denise. I've dressed her a few times. She's um, a very beautiful woman, first of all, but yeah. she's also a very nice character, you know. And she's been in the industry for a long time, so she knows what she's supposed to be doing. And I think that that, you know, this is the difference between um, pure talent and pure celebrities to people who have just become famous for just being famous. Yes. You know, when when they don't kind of like know the road that can be quite difficult if they haven't got the right people surrounding them who can tell them how to behave and what to expect and what's expected of them You know, specifically if you're doing something like for a magazine or for a magazine cover they've got their readership as well so you know they're expecting something you know often they'll give me the mood board beforehand so they want it to look a certain way so it's a way of kind of trying to balance things up between the celebrity being happy the magazine being happy you know and the whole yeah. overall process you know really is teamwork
0: so yeah. you
1: know that that's kind of a very important part
0: of it i suppose that's where you've really got to be on your ball with a with a sort of balance of yeah. positivity between yeah. what the what the the magazine are receiving what the artist yeah. is happy yeah. doing and and you're the middle middle yes. sort of guy in that, yeah definitely
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, look, around about Christmas and stuff, it's great fun because then you've got all the panto, you know, and you've got a lot of these kinds of themes coming up, like we, we did um, Craig Rebel Horwood just uh, this Christmas and the Christmas before, yeah. and he loves panto. And, I mean, I was so surprised because, obviously, I've seen him on Strictly, and he's, you know, he was quite fierce on, yeah. on Strictly and, and a little bit sort of, like, daunting to look at. But, actually, when I met him, he's so calm. You know, he's so calm and he brings a great big suitcase full of all these Fabulous clothes, you know, because he's he a pro and own. he's got all yeah. this
2: stuff.
1: <laughs> you know, he knows what he's doing. He's well up for everything. You know, so that sort of thing is great fun. You know, even people like Vanessa Phelps as well, you know, she, she dressed up as the fairy and then her partner, he was dressed up as the evil sister. Yeah. You know, so again, I have sort of like a great big lime green wig on him and bright pink lipstick. You know, yeah. so that kind of thing is great fun. You know, really good fun because everyone's kind of like in the spirit
0: of it. And I can I can tell by talking to you that the the smile on your face as you're talking about this this is something that you just absolutely love. This is it's it's, it's got to be more than a career, isn't it? It's 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 definitely a passion.
2: Yeah, I think
1: it's good. I think it has to be a passion because if it's not a passion when you when you find things difficult, um, it's quite easy to feel um, as though it's about you. But actually, it's not about you. And yeah. I think that if you are passionate about things, you you can analyse it enough to realise that everything isn't about you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. really, it really is about getting a grip on the situation that's around you and trying to creatively do the best thing for all involved. So, you know, a lot of it is about compromise as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, you know, yeah. you've talked about everybody being surprising in how good they've been or how calm they were. Has there been somebody who's just been terrible, just an absolute nightmare? You probably won't want to tell me, just in case you have to walk with them again.
1: (laughs) Well, I always say, you know, when I'm not going to style anyone anymore, then of course it it might might be appropriate to say, well, by the way, so-and-so was a wretch. Um, I've had I've probably had a couple of incidents, um, and I call them incidents. One of them was a wedding shoot, a bridal shoot, and I've only ever done one in my entire life. So that wasn't a celebrity, that was an advertising wedding shoot. And those, the dresses, you have to shoot about 50, 60 dresses in a day. So you've got to get the dresses on the model. And then the bridal company, you know, they, they can be really quite harsh and quite domineering. And I must say, that day, I actually burst into tears. Yeah. Which, you know, I I mean, you know, I think we all do cry occasionally, but, I mean, I I literally left in tears on that one. Um, And then I've had another female celebrity who... Um, everyone always looks at her and thinks oh she's great and she's great fun and she was a real woman's woman but actually she was a bit of a monster as well she she was not very nice Um, she was impolite she was um, just horrible and just in the end I had to um, suggest that perhaps she wear her own clothes rather than any of them on the rail because she was just being so vile yeah. um so yeah so that's a bit disappointing you know that, you... that is disappointing and and again i think it comes from someone not really wanting to do something and yeah. being in a bad mood and then taking it out on others around yeah. them so that's not so nice
0: yeah how do you deal with that what how do you go about that because you know obviously ended up in tears is the last place you want to be how do you yes. how yeah. do you try yeah. and avoid that um,
1: well, what I what I have learned now is sometimes um, when you get a celebrity, you normally get a mood board. So you know you get the direction that um, either their production or their management or the magazine or a combination of the two want them to go into. Now, if I know that it's someone that I've dressed before and I know that they're a little bit tricky, what I tend to do is I'll ring them beforehand and I'll say, "Hello, it's me again." Now, what do you think we should be wearing? So we kind of like talk it out a little bit beforehand and then I can easily get the clothes that I know they're going to feel quite comfortable in. And if I don't get that opportunity, um, it's really important to have a big variety of things and to be able to say to them, now look, this is what I think is really good and this is what I think will really suit you, but why don't you have a look and you see what you think you would like? Yeah. That's kind of a way round it, you know. So I suppose it's really very much like yielding.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I suppose you've got to be a bit of a negotiator.
1: Yeah, you know, you've got to be able to yield and you've got to be able to decide whether or not it's your ego You know, because you want someone to wear something and you're trying to push them into that, or whether they really just are a bit of a a pain and they're going to be like that and they're never going to be happy anyway with anything that you put them in. So, you know, that's the other thing. And I think it's, you know, it's the job for the day and you know that that day will end and then you can go home and play with the dogs.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's it. Something to look forward to. The way I handle it is to just sort of step back a bit, you know, take a few deep breaths. Take a breath, yeah. I live by that. I live by that. Take a breath, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So on the on the sort of working with celebs and being around that environment, because obviously there's been so much in the media over the last couple of years with the Harvey Weinstein sort of, you know, misappropriation of position and things going on. Is that something that yep. ever strays into your sort of part of the world when you're when you're on set and you're styling? Have you ever come across that toxic masculinity being abused? Because it's obviously as a man, it's something I'm I'm very interested in, not only highlighting but eradicating. Because I believe the male voice has to, you know, stand alongside the female voice if we if we're gonna, you know, call people out and and get them, you yeah. know, accounted for. I'm-
1: Look, when I was in the music industry, the whole Harvey Weinstein, that was just, I mean, Harvey would look tame in comparison to those monsters. I cannot tell you how many times I went into record companies and I would would go in to play them my tape and they would literally just drop their trousers and their pants, literally whilst I was standing there. That used to happen all the time I mean it wasn't it wasn't something that was rare it was something that used to happen all the time Um, now with with styling you've got um, you've got the magazine or whoever you know whoever the client is at at the time then you've got the photographer whether they be male or female then you've got the stylist makeup artist celebrity or the model so there is kind of like a hierarchy and what used to happen was that the male photographers were really kind of like in charge, and I think that they that they tended to be a little bit egotistical and a little bit difficult. Whereas I think that you know you rarely come across that now. Yeah. You know you don't actually. Um, you just don't see it so much now, and it's just not tolerated. Yeah. So you know I think we've really really come a long way, and I think you know funnily enough we say male. It's not always male. Yeah,
0: true. You know, true, it's right. not always
1: male. You know, women, um, unfortunately, women can be deeply unpleasant to each other, yeah. you know, and very um, passive aggressive. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. think that that is something that probably needs to be managed and addressed, you know, because as a woman, I don't want to, you know, start saying, oh, gosh, all other women are awful. Well, of course, they're not. Yeah. But actually, I think that women have a lot of work to do with each other as well
0: yeah definitely. I think it's it's like you say it's it's 'cause I've discussed this with a lot of the guests I've had on the podcast, and it's you know be it transgender be it sexuality be it race yeah. it's yeah we've all got a part to play in it, and it's very naive to think it's just a male issue or just a, a white issue or yeah. just a you know a yes. straight issue yeah. it's, it's really, yeah. you know I think we all need to be yeah. involved and come together to to make the steps forward, but that's good to hear that in yeah. in your industry. It's it's very much a lesser thing to be seen now. I did see um yeah. I did see something recently that said the music industry was gonna be the next big sort of unearthing of scandal, so I'm not shocked not shocked <laughs> not shocked at all to sort of hear you say that, you know. But
1: well, you know, I mean, look, I think, look, when I do music videos, I still notice, I, I think it's a really tricky and emotive conversation, you know, because when I'm styling people for music videos, you know, if they want a load of scantily clad girls, you know, all twerking and doing all sorts of things, you know, it's a very tricky situation. I dressed a couple of rappers, I dressed um, Tory Lanes and also Macklemore, yeah. um, you know, big American rappers. Couldn't meet nicer guys. The entourage were absolutely delightful, really sweet, really calm. Um, And I think it comes from the management. If they've got good management and if they are generally kind of like stable people yeah. i think that, that that has a big influence i think a lot of the drugs and stuff that you get in the music industry that has a big bearing you know yeah. a huge bearing as it would in any any industry on how people um, carry on and get lost and get a little bit overly overly yeah. zealous and
0: loose and i suppose know? with with some of the genres of music there's a stereotypical image that some of the yeah. artists feel they have to maintain, so they 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 behave in a certain way. They do certain things that's yeah. not who they yeah. really are. And I suppose when you see them yeah. on a shoot, you actually get to see who they really are—not the the bad boy yes. in a nightclub or. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think there is a lot of that. You know, there's a lot of and there's a lot of yes people surrounding them. Um, yeah. you know. Uh, I mean I, I dressed a, a very big celebrity he's not, he's not a musician but when I got there is, um, his management said to me or his, I don't know who she was this sort of PA person she said he's in a very bad mood this morning don't look at him or don't talk to him when you see him
2: Right. So when he
1: came in, I said, good morning, how are you? And he was like, hey, I'm fine, thanks, how are you? Yeah. So, you know, that's the typical example of the sort of thing that you get. You know, you get people building up a persona around someone, you know, and actually they're not even that person, and then you get all these bad vibes and, you know, and, and a lot of gossip as
0: well. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's something I've always managed to live my life by is, No matter what I read or see about somebody, I judge them on the person I meet. And I think that's that's a great rule to go with. Because like you say, if you're being fed lines on oh don't speak to him, don't look at you know, and they're the nicest person in the world.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean like don't speak to him, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah
2: it's crazy. But you know, I, I
1: think look, that's probably just if I was much younger, maybe I wouldn't be as confident as I am. Yes. You know, that's the other thing. You know, I do think that a lot of, you know, if you're inexperienced, you know, and and you're not used to being around that sort of thing, it can be very intimidating. And and it's almost like a pack mentality of people seeing who's the weakest and then picking on that person. So, you know, I think these are the things that we have to be mindful of, you know, in this industry of not abusing other people. You know, for example, in, in our industry, it's quite common to have assistants and not pay them. Wow. You know, and I mean, I just I, I just refuse to do that because, yeah. you know, even though I know that I'm teaching them something and they're getting an experience that they may never have had, that's not the point.
2: Yeah. The
1: point is, I'm getting paid, so they should be paid. Yes, of course definitely. they should.
2: Definitely. You know, yeah. so
1: I think that that, you know, there's a lot of things in the industry that actually need unturfing and yes. turning over and restructuring.
0: And I suppose in an industry that is always calling for equality, always calling for, you know, sweatshops not to be used in the fashion yeah. side, for people to be paid equal wages, to then not pay yes. assistance is yeah. just the same. You know, it's well, I just think it's simple. Packaging.
1: Actually, I think it's simple, and I don't. You know, this whole sort of devil wears Prada. You know, treating people like that and making yeah. them go on the train with suitcases. And I, I just don't. I wouldn't have an assistant do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Yeah, quite great, frankly. Okay. So, you know, if, if when I've got assistance with me, if they're carrying things, then I'm carrying them as well. You know, yeah. so it's just, and and it's just not a way to behave. And I. Think that that a lot of people do their egos get out of control and and that's why it happens. And I think the less the less we allow that sort of thing, the less it will happen. You know. So I think that's something that, that's something that I'm very passionate about.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's great to hear. It's it's something I always say. Never ask anybody to do something you won't do yourself. Hundred percent. No, exactly makes sense. Yeah. It's maybe the military background I come from. The that that sort of. Um, and I've, I've just I'm just writing a program at the moment for my coaching network, which um, takes out the term management. I don't like management. Ah. I don't want people to manage. I want people to lead. So it's teaching leadership, not management, because a leader, yeah. like you say, will lead from the front. will not allow somebody to do something they want. Whereas a manager yes. will just manage. We'll just do the basics. So it's I'm very yeah, very it. into my neuro-linguistic programming. So. The use of language oh. is very, very important in that.
1: Yeah, well, that's so interesting. I, I'm really interested in that. And, you know, and look, it is a funny situation as well as a stylist if you've got an assistant, because bearing in mind what you've got is you've got someone who who is looking up to you, who really wants to learn from you, but actually you're teaching them to do yes. your job. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a tricky one too, because, you know, you're... Your assistant will hopefully get to a point where they will be able to branch out and, yeah. and do their own thing. But then they're actually going to be doing a lot of the jobs, perhaps that even you would be doing yourself. Yeah. So you know that that's where, and it's the same thing with photographers with their assistants. You know, yeah. they're gaining they're gaining experience, but they're also gaining contacts and things as yeah. they go along. So one has to be um, very clear about what works and what doesn't work yeah. you know so it so
0: it's, it's a bit of a, a nice and you're, basic you're, you're also teaching them that sort of moral standard of behavior in the industry whereas if you yeah. don't pay them when they get to your level they think oh you don't have to pay and it just carries on so by yes. breaking yes. that cycle and going this is the correct way to behave when you're a stylist when they become yes. a stylist they then behave in the correct way
1: exactly Exactly. you know and all these all this business of sort of like not showing up on time you know and just sort of wandering in when you want with a coffee you know because this is fashion and a pair of dark shades you (laughs) know oh I'm in the music industry I can show up four hours late I mean I just I don't really go for any of that sort of thing honestly so (laughs)
0: yeah no you've got to have professionalism it doesn't matter what you do you've got to be professional yeah definitely I agree yeah totally so you've dealt with um cancer as well in fact you you, you've dealt with multiple life threats i believe over the years (laughs) yes (laughs) more than me yeah yes yes it um it's
1: it's a weird one i found um you know part of the reason that i've got to where i am now really just emotionally speaking and, and the way that I sort of conduct myself is because I realized that um, that sometimes you can be too giving you know and you you can take care of so many other people to the point of actually not taking care of yourself yeah. and I'm not saying that that's why I got breast cancer but what I do believe is that at the time that I got it I was feeling very very stressed and constantly worrying about things you know I'm worrying if I have the right dress and worrying if you know if, if everything yeah. would be okay there was a lot of that um, and I think that coupled with uh, not sleeping so much and just generally not looking after myself as well as I do now um, I looked down and I saw I had like a little lump on my chest I literally saw it it was like a little pea the size of a pea. And uh, and when I went to the doctor, he said, well, look, let's just get it checked, it's probably nothing. Um, But then I went to Hooper, and and there was a particularly um, excitable doctor there, and he sort of gave it a prod, said, oh, no, 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 that's definitely breast cancer. (laughs) Uh, So I was so shocked yeah. you know, really, really shocked. And actually, I was booked the next day to go to Rome with a with an old band that was having a resurgence called um, East Seventeen. Oh, yes, and yeah. uh, we were going to do a music video for them. And I said, "Look, I can't come in tomorrow because I'm going to Rome to dress East 17, He said, "No, no, no, you have to come in." But actually, I went to Rome instead. <laughs> um, you know, and then I came back and and uh, and dealt with it then. But um, it it was an enlightening. Uh, experience and it really did change me a lot
2: Um,
1: and it changed my attitude towards things and it helped me to decide what I think is important and to do the things that prioritise them and not keep on trying to be superwoman and do everything
0: yeah yeah.
1: You know? um, so I think it's. I think you learn a lot about yourself when you have a life-threatening illness because actually you realise before you have your sort of diagnosis, you realise that next week you might not actually be here.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know. It's, that, it's, that's kind of that. That was what I remember thinking when they when they were testing. You know, they did the test and then I had to wait for sort of seven days. And I remember sort of thinking crikey this could be the last few days of my life anything could happen and i might not be here
2: anymore
0: so, yeah it's yeah it's, that's, it's definitely one of them because obviously i had i had cancer last year um and yeah, yeah i know exactly what you mean it just it changes your whole life in that that moment because it's like okay what is important what matters yes. you know and you stop kind of yes. chasing things and Trying to do things that yes. really just don't matter, and it, it refocuses you massively. But yeah, I know, yes. I know exactly what you mean when you have that moment where you think, "My God, I might have a matter of weeks, a matter of months." Yes. Suddenly, yeah. suddenly that that 40 odd years I had before living living the life yes. of, I'm indestructible because I've survived 20 odd yes. years in the military and everything that comes with. I, you know, I'm, I'm indestructible. And then somebody sits you down and says you've got cancer, and it's like. Wow, okay. That that just got yeah. real. That just got real. And it's yeah. I suppose yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's that saying when people say, you know, it's it doesn't matter until it happens to you. And it's it's very much I think that is that is very accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you know what I noticed so what I found
1: really strange was it actually when I had the I had the operation, they took the tumour out, and then they gave me radiotherapy for five weeks every day. And instead of feeling tired, it actually made me hyper. Yeah. So instead of, like, like I'd go there and I'd look at this machine, and I used to call him, like, the Iron Warrior. So <laughs> they all used to think, oh, God, there's that really weird woman. Yeah. Um, but literally, it, it energised me, and it made me really... Fight, yeah, you know, really fight, rather than thinking, oh, this is my disease, you know, and I feel tired and I don't feel well and whatever. It actually made me very kind of like feisty, and I think it was also because I was quite cross, you know, yeah. I was really quite angry because I just thought, well, you know, how come that happened? Why? You know, what yeah. have I done? <laughs>
2: yeah, um,
1: but I noticed that with COVID. I started to have that, that very strange feeling when it, you know, when we first went into lockdown of thinking, wow, I could catch this or someone that I love could catch this and it might be their last yeah. day. So I know it sort of sounds a bit weird or a bit neurotic, but I, I kind of, I did actually think that there was a similarity between being told that, you know, you have cancer and that COVID is in the air. It really did feel very similar
0: yeah and i i found with covid as well and a few of my guests have talked about it like you are now everybody in the world has experienced it at the same time and it's it's kind of being a positivity coach i look at the positive of we've all experienced that feeling of fear intrepidation anxiety whatever it is around covid this is the perfect opportunity to have that kind of cancer moment that we've had where you go okay as we come out of this Let's start focusing as a, a combined group, you know, sexuality, yes. gender, race, religion, yes. everything. It yes. doesn't matter. Let's come together and let's let's do positive things. And I think I noticed um, a couple of days ago it's already happening. Um, the Oxford University, through the, the viral work they've done to get the vaccine, have now discovered a new vaccine for... Malaria, I believe it is, which could save hundreds of thousands of lives across the world, and that's that's you know we need to focus on those sort of good things happening, those positive things happening, and and kind of drive forward. But my worry is, as you you probably see in in your industry, a lot is put upon things where we'll just drift back in uh, the, the same old, same old. Unfortunately, hopefully we don't. Hopefully. Or there's a big enough yeah. chunk of us kind of carry on <laughs> striving for positive. Yes,
1: yes, I know what you mean because I think in some ways what it um, what's happened in our industry is it's because the work has been less. Yeah. Um, people have started using uh, the same people over and over again because they know that they're a capable pair of hands. So in in some ways, it's kind of it's shattered a lot of a lot of the newness out of it. And. Mm. I suppose that, that will come back eventually, but, but I think a lot of the jobs now that I'm getting I get repeat over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Whereas before I wouldn't always get them. They would be using other people.
2: Yeah. So I don't know whether that has had, you know, quite a big impact on that as well, where people,
1: you know, they're frightened for their jobs, so they want to make sure that they've got the right person doing it, you know, so they go back to the same people so that yeah. they, it's, you know, a continued you know, continuation.
0: Yeah, and I kind of, I kind look at the individuals, uh, be it people leaving school now, who are maybe thinking, I'm going to go out, I'm going to be a stylist, a makeup artist, a photographer, whatever it is, and maybe, and I hope they continue that ambition rather than go, I'm going to play it safe and just get a nine to five and and pigeonhole themselves into a box. I hope we don't have that. I hope it, I hope it works yeah. the opposite. I hope it encourages people to go. Life shot. I'm gonna go and achieve my dreams. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go yeah. make some magic happen. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah well I mean I, I think what has happened though this whole the whole social media thing and Instagram and whatever I mean I found even myself I started on my Instagram page posting lots and lots of things you know like every single day and actually it's it's opened up a whole new world of variety and I think a lot of people have also become a lot more creative because yeah. they've had to yes. because they couldn't do the things that they were doing so you know even some of the photographers that I've known I've seen them doing really incredible creative work you know which normally you see them doing sort of celebrities or whatever but I've seen them doing sort of a picture of a bird or something you know I know it sounds silly but just really fabulous sort of stretching things so yeah I think in lots of ways a lot of new things have come from it as well
0: yeah yeah and that's a that's a hope I think that, that a lot of a new fresh essence comes yes. from it yeah and and we yeah. can do more because yeah. i think yes. there's, there's yeah, been a, there's been enough negativity i think now i think we can i think we can get a positive focus and, and move on would be the best yes. way yeah
1: yeah i hope so i mean it just seems to be there just seems to be so much going on at the moment i don't know whether i suppose this is just evolution isn't it all of you know, all of these awful things that, that we're seeing.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but I suppose it has to be out in the light. We can't keep on hiding things anymore. And I suppose yeah, that you know, it. we get through that, don't we, eventually. Yeah. You know, by everything coming out like that.
0: It's there's been a few things that have kind of shocked me over the last few weeks, like the uh, I don't know if you've seen um Prince Philip's funeral was there was 100 a h hundred a hundred thousand yes. odd complaints that people weren't able to watch the soap operas and things. I was like, that, yeah. that, that blew my mind that there's 100,000 people in the country think that way. You know, it's...
1: Well, I sound that really odd actually because I must mm. say I was watching it the other day and they had a couple of people like this one woman she said well you know I am a royalist but I mean I didn't want to see it all the time and I thought well, well why didn't you turn over channels yeah, then yeah, yeah. but maybe the answer was maybe on the other channel it was the same thing but I mean surely there are so many channels These why, days, why yeah. wouldn't you just watch something else what what an incredible life this man has, has had and yes. what amazing things he has done and you know the royal family is is something that we've all grown up with i I must agree with you on that i was actually
2: quite shocked and a bit
0: ashamed yeah it was disappointing it was very very disappointing to see because it was like you say he has achieved so much in his life and he's done so much for you know young people especially and i think yeah i think unfortunately with the the british media and the way they like to put negative spin on things i think there's a lot being made of his character and things he's said in the past it's been made to sound you know absolutely terrible when it's probably not he's probably just making quite a a generic comment or an innocent comment because he's you know I, I was discussing this with my dad because he'd met him a couple of times and it's when he when he refers to things from certain countries we kind of forget he's been to all these countries so it's it's maybe not he's making a a derogatory statement he's maybe just Telling a story of how he remembered something was built or made, you know. So yes,
1: yeah. we're, we're too yeah, quick. I, th- I think you're right. You know, because it is. It, it's a very, it's a very slippery slope, all that sort of thing. Because even now, I mean, obviously, I'm nine hundred, so I, I actually <laughs> come from a time when, you know, so many inappropriate things were said. You yeah. know, even at school, people used to say some awful things to me. Yeah. But then I know that they were uneducated and they really. Yeah. they didn't know any better. And I think with him, I think some of the things that he said were just totally ridiculous. Yeah. And I think maybe he was just kind of trying to break the ice as well.
0: My dad, you know, puts I mean, it, he puts it down to, um, cause my, my dad's a big sailor and that's how he met him through a function yeah. at a yacht club. And he said, all right. sailors are the same. All sailors have that twisted kind of sense of humor. So yes. if, if, when yes. he went to a yacht club and done a speech, everybody would be yes. you know, killing themselves laughing. But then he probably yes. carried that on somewhere else, which people didn't quite understand. Yes. It was, it, yeah. like you say, him yes. just trying to break the ice.
1: Yes, yeah, it's a, it is a funny one, because I saw, in fact, even when they were showing footage of him, when he was in his cart, you know, they were doing that sort of racing and they went across the stream. And then I think the man behind lost control of the horse. He said, oh, you bloody idiot, or something like yeah. that now obviously you'd look and think gosh why is he talking to him like that but it's probably just the moment yeah and that's probably kind of how they all carry on when they're doing all you know it's the passion of it all yeah yeah. so does that make him a bad person yeah you know and these are the sort of conversations that you know that i that i guess we have to have aren't they
0: and i thought it was really good i thought the coverage was fantastic because it gave you a lot of insight and when they were giving you messages from around the world, it was every corner of the globe was a yes. positive message of how he touched a village when he came yes. to visit or the Duke of Edinburgh scheme and Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just it, yeah. it's disappointing yeah. to see people complaining because they, they couldn't watch a soap opera and it was delayed by an hour or something. It's just like <laughs> I think people get they get addicted
1: to certain things. You know, some people yeah. are creatures as rabbits, aren't they? And they yeah. don't They don't like to have their routine disturbed, you know, and they want to watch someone else falling off another roof, you know. And I mean, (laughs) this is where I, you know, I mean, I find soap operas, um, you know, a lot of them, the drama, I just think, crikey, if, if it really was like that, you know, in the pub, if you go into the pub and actually someone in the pub has killed someone else's son or brother or uncle and then slept with their mother and this and that, I mean, crikey, would we ever go to the pub again? And I don't know. I just, yeah. personally, I don't really see it, but, it but I know people do get addicted to them.
0: It is. It's kind of, it's like places like Midsummer. It, it, it amazes me that anybody still lives there because, you know, I think it's... <laughs> Somebody dies every week. Somebody's mothered every week. It's like, why would you live there? It's it's madness, absolute madness. But
1: I think sort of in, in midsummer, you don't really actually believe that they're dead. You kind of get the feeling, oh, they've fallen over, and in a minute, makeup will come on, and they'll up. jump up and they'll run off and put another wig on and yeah. be another
0: part. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's one thing that does. I do I do look at things like last week with that, and I I do. It makes me worry that that we're becoming detached from what reality actually is it's like you say in your industry you get people who are yeah. famous for being famous there's no yes skill or yeah. you know they're not great actors yeah. it's it's just like you're famous because you've been on a show it's kind of like yeah it's madness yeah. you know it's like yeah. i'd rather watch a soap opera than hear about the life of somebody who's touched millions of children and made you know giving them hope yes and, yeah it's important yeah. a world yeah. war as yeah. well you know it's
1: well i couldn't agree more and I think you know look i'd, I'd like to keep it, it positive as well but I, but i can't help but say that when we are in a time where we're actually watching someone being murdered on screen yes. we know that that really we are in both terrible and wonderful times you know so um a lot of these things are all coming out now
2: and as i said i think what happens with all this sort of stuff is it
1: probably has to be exposed to get to the other side of it but i but i agree with you i hope that we're not getting to a point where where we really just
2: don't care about anyone else um we just care about ourselves watching a soap opera
0: yeah i think i think a lot of it comes down to focus and i i can't remember who said it but it was um instead of focusing on the actual incident that happens you know the the person being killed or whatever it, the yes. focus needs to be on why the environment that the individual who done the killing grew up in failed him yes because if we don't yes. if we don't fix the root, the cause will keep continuing you know somebody who yeah. somebody who coached me tony robbins once you know you have yep. to you have to change you know if you if you do the same thing you get the same results so it's oh yes it's yes yes the
1: declaration of insanity isn't
0: it it is we need to take the focus away off the 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 the, the, the result and more onto the cause and i think once we start yes. doing that and having discussions around our schools failing is environment failing you know is is racism being bred in certain areas is transphobia happening in certain yes. areas yeah. as soon as we start looking at that and changing that, then the results should stop, though the results should be different, you know, maybe we'll start yes. getting on and living, yeah. living happily together
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I agree, I agree because I mean, as I said, being of being mixed race myself, I've had some things said to me that really, you know, as a child, and even now, sometimes I hear conversations, because I'm very light-skinned and I've got blonde hair and things like that, you know, sometimes people don't know who they're talking to yeah. um, you know and sometimes it's complete ignorance and other times it's just it's pure um, uh, in consideration of other people's feelings yeah. you know and I, and I do think it's quite important to try and call people on it yes. but in a way that, that they can understand um, yeah. rather than just sort of saying oh so and so is a racist because a lot of the time someone said something they haven't even realised that it's, yeah. it's racist.
0: Yeah, it's a lack of education and
1: understanding. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, and I think it's even, you know, I noticed all, all of this with, with men lately as well of, you know, saying, well, they want to try to be a little bit more careful how they approach women and what they say yeah. to women. You know, are you now no longer allowed to say to a woman, you look really nice today? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, that, it's the it's, bit That's the bit that worries me where. People say, I need to think about how we speak to women and how we approach women. Because the fact that we're saying that, there's a bigger problem, you know. We shouldn't have to say that. We should all know how to behave. We should all know how to behave around each other, other men, other women, you know. Yes, yes. Gay people, straight people should be, you know, it's it's like you say, it's a lack of understanding. And probably a lot of the time they don't even realize. But that goes back to the education bit, you know. Yeah, I think yes. once we get away from, well, how should we talk to black people, how should we talk to women, we should already yes. know that. By the time we get to an age where we're having these discussions, we should already know how to treat our fellow human beings. You know, Kelly Kelly yes. Maloney coins it perfectly, you know, we're all part of the same race, the human race, you know, yes. and that's, yes. that's that's where we've yes. got sort to of kind of get to. Yeah, definitely.
2: Yes
1: yes yes i think you're right and i mean look i i love kelly cuz kelly sees things in in such a philosophical and simple way yeah, and yeah. and doesn't get upset if someone says the wrong thing because people do get a bit confused yeah, you know people yeah, do get confused yeah. and sometimes particularly if someone's gone from one gender to another people get confused you know and it takes them a minute or two to adjust to that and then yeah. and then speak in, in the correct term as such so you know I just think it, a lot of this is, is a, like I said a question of calling people on things um, in a way that you can open a dialogue
0: about it, if they're saying something that, that's not that's not right. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, it's amazing. So, I always wrap up with the same two questions. And okay. The first one is a quote or a piece of music that you go to for positivity.
2: Ooh! Ooh!
1: Um, ooh positivity. Well, positivity. Oh, good. oh, that's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I love so much music. Um, I love Luther Bandros, um, oh gosh, that song. I can't be too late, don't want nobody else to ever love me.
2: Yeah. I
1: love that because oh, that- it reminds me of, like, when you go somewhere and someone really wants to see you and they're really happy to see you and you're really happy to see them, and yet you're surprised.
0: But they're there, and you're there, and the moment is going to be great. So, I love that. Yeah, I love that. I was listening to Luther Vandross this week, actually. Oh, I love
1: Luther Vandross.
0: My favourite. Love Luther Vandross, yes. So, that's 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 a piece of music that I go to. And we've even got, I dance around. And we've even had you singing now. Can't beat it. Sorry? We've even had you singing now, so... Oh, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. And the last question, a practice that you use to get from a negative to a positive place, be it meditation, breathing, something like that, something you use.
1: I breathe. Breathing to me is the most important thing. If I hear something negative or if I see something negative or if I'm about to say something negative, I take a deep breath and I try to breathe in to the count of four and then I breathe out and then I just think about it before I say it or react. Because I think some of the most regrettable times of or things in my life have been from being hot-tempered yeah. and not thinking something through and reacting to
2: it.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's it's one I love. Love a bit of breath walk. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just very important. <laughs> just brings it down, just brings your balance again yeah yeah definitely
1: you know and i think this this whole as i said earlier about yielding you know and being flexible being able to sway in the wind rather than being brittle is is something that i that i have learned
0: yeah that's amazing well i appreciate you doing this tonight it's great
1: thank you you're welcome and i appreciate you interviewing me it's been such great fun
0: Well, that was a very talented and positive Rachel Gold. And I'm sure you'll agree, some great advice, not only for those working in the fashion world, but life in general. I think Rachel's approach to mentoring the next generation of stylists is something we need to implement everywhere, especially if you're in a position of leadership. If you show bad practice and behavior, so will the next generation. It's time we all do something positive and change the norm. Let's lead and not just manage. I will, as always, add the links for Rachel in the bio. And please, go check out her amazing new YouTube channel, Style It Like This. And if you want to know more about Coach Campbell, then simply Google Robert Coach Campbell on all major platforms. So until the next time, choose positivity.